uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Hello out there on the internet. I am Matthew Galt, and this is Cyber. Look, we've all gotten a little too involved in a video game. I've repeatedly talked in print and on the show about how I've gotten lost in trying to complete maps and open world games like Assassin's Creed. And there's a million stories out there about kids who spend all their parents' money on upgrades in Farmville. But hear me out. When I say the words State of Survival or Game of Thrones Conquest, what comes to mind? Crappy ads on Facebook, probably. Weird-looking games that are obvious money pits, sure. But there's something a little more insidious going on here. It's an an evolution of the old addictive mobile game formula. One that's generated a new lawsuit. With me today to talk through this all is Motherboard Senior Editor Maxwell Strawn. He's just gotten done talking to a bunch of people who lost money and time to these games, and some of them think they have the makings of a legal case. Maxwell, thank you so much for coming onto the show and walking us through this. Thanks very much for having me. So tell me about the the, the opening of this story has so many things uh, in its written form. You've got an immunocompromised kid, you've got the pandemic, and you've got this game. What exactly is going on? Yeah, so um, the story starts uh, by telling the story of this uh, child. Uh, He's a teenage boy, uh, uh, remains anonymous for understandable reasons, but I spoke to his mother and uh, like you said, he was immunocompromised or he is immunocompromised. And during the pandemic, he was kind of more isolated than even kind of your typical teen as a result. Uh, And he started playing uh, Game of Thrones Conquest, uh, became, uh, uh, he started playing the game and, uh, and he became, you know, he was able to play without spending much money at all at first. Uh, And over time, uh, you know, his, his parents were kind of concerned, you know, what's the adult interaction like here? He said, Oh, you know, we talk about current events where, you know, they're responsible people and they reluctantly kind of allowed him to continue to play. But uh, one day uh, the, the, the father called the mother and said, you know, I need the passcode to uh, the child's phone. Um, we have a problem here. And she's like, what's happening? And, and he had figured out that uh, their child had suddenly racked up $6,000 uh, in spending uh, on their uh Apple account uh, through the game. And, uh, you know, the, it had been triggered, kind of, you know, they, they went to him and they said what, what had happened. And uh, it had kind of been triggered by the fact that uh, their dog had uh, gotten sick and was going to die. And he, he, he had started spending money right around them. They kind of were confused and, and asked why. And that he said, you know, that, well, I, you know, I was losing this thing in my life and I didn't want to lose this community. And, you know, I felt like to, if I didn't start spending money, uh, then I would lose, lose this community, that community that I had formed online. And uh, it's kind of particular, uh, kind of strange, but it uh, kind of uh, illuminates a lot about what's going on with these games and the sense of community that they're providing. Right. And that that to me is the real new thing here. We've kind of heard this story before, but what I had not heard before is the built-in social pressure uh, that these games have, but we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Sure. Um, but let let's tell me. You know, we see ads for I see, or at least I, every time I pull up Facebook to talk to the one group chat that won't migrate off, um, I see state of survival ads. 
I see ads for Game of Thrones Conquest. I'm like, oh, this just looks like another Clash of Clans or whatever. Can you tell me like what exactly these games are, like how they play? Sure. They're, they're uh, fairly lo-fi games, to be honest. They're, they're uh, your classic sort of freemium game, which means there's no initial cost to download them. Uh, it's uh, free to play at the beginning. Uh, and they are strategy games. State of Survival is essentially a post-apocalyptic zombie game in which you kind of form alliances and figure out how to help your settlement survive and grow. Uh, game of Thrones is a, it's a very similar game. It's an empire-building strategy game, they say, uh, in which you forge alliances and try to conquer Westeros, uh, Westeros together. Uh, and so, you know, in, in both cases, the... The games are the same. You you work with you form these allegiances and you sort of uh, fight off either you know other teams or uh, 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 in game characters and you build up and try to dominate the land uh, to to generalize both games uh, and uh, in both cases uh, it becomes easier to uh, move faster in the games if you start to. Uh, fork over a little money here and there, uh, as little as 99 cents at a time. Uh, but, uh, that becomes, uh, more and more as the games go on. And $6,000 is what this kid, this kid spent at the beginning of the story, but that is kind of on the low end of some of the people you talked to, right? What are some of the amounts that you heard? Yeah, it was, it was, was on the lower end. Um, the amounts, uh, were kind of, one of the most shocking aspects of reporting the story, we spoke with people uh, that had spent tens of thousands of dollars on this game. Uh, one woman claimed that she had spent well over $100,000, maybe even close to 200000 And uh, in all of the cases, it kind of crept up on them. They hadn't quite realized uh, because the do- dollar amounts were so low at first. Uh, and it becomes sort of uh, second, second uh, kind of instinctual to kind of uh, buy more in-game purchases over and over and over. Uh, they didn't realize that they were spending so much money and, and the, the game doesn't make it easy to realize either. So uh, they, they, by the time they realized what they had spent, they were, they were in shock and, you know, uh, at times horrified with themselves. Well, let's get into, cause I mean, this, the, when I first saw, these games going up. I know I've said it a couple times now, but I'm just like, oh, it's another Clash of Clans. It's another Farmville. Um, there's going to be whales. People are going to get sucked in. But there are different elements here. There are extra stuff that I haven't heard about going on before in some of these games. So can you kind of talk about those differences and thinking especially of kind of the group think and the internal pressure? Because like Clash of Clans, you can make allegiances and things, but it was very competitive. It was about staying at the top of a leaderboard. Sure. These are, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, partially it's, it's, it's a a product of the last couple of years, you know, the, 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 both of these games rose in popularity, especially around the time that the pandemic started. And, uh, this was, as we all, as the entire world knows, uh, kind of isolating period where there was not a real sense of normalcy. And a lot of people, I think also, uh, lost a sense of meaning in their lives. And so these games provided people uh, with a sense of community uh, and a sense that their you know, lives mattered in some way uh, as a result. And so 
you know, they, they, they felt good about themselves when they played the game. They felt that these people were their real friends. They felt that it became something bigger. They spoke to them on Discord. They spoke to them on the phone. It became a real uh, tangible part of their social lives. So consequently, uh, when, uh, uh, consequently, when people started to say, you know, you're kind of holding us back. We need you to you carry your weight uh, in this community. Uh, and the easiest way to do that is by um, buying some packs, so they're called. Uh, uh, people felt pressure to do so. And sometimes, you know, it was a little implicit. I don't want to let my friends down. I don't want to let my community down. But I spoke to people who said that it was more explicit. If you don't start paying enough, uh, people will get kicked out and they'll uh, they'll lose this uh real community that's come to mean something to them during a strange time in the world. Right. Some people are already playing upwards of 18, 20 hours a day, losing sleep um, in your, in your, in your telling. And then on top of it, they have this pressure to spend money too, because it doesn't matter how hard you grind at the end of the day, the people that are going to get ahead or the clan that's going to get ahead is the one that spends the most money. Right. Yeah, I think this is the critical point that the 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 game is relatively easy to uh, easy to play, uh, and uh, that's regardless of if you're spending money at first or not. But that it becomes increasingly, almost exponentially harder to continue playing uh, without spending money. So, uh, it, uh, you know, in one of the lawsuits, they said, you know, to go from uh, to reach level eight. Uh, you have to have 5,000 wood and 5,000 food, so they say. Uh, but to get to level 29 or le- level 30, you need 900 million wood, 900 million food, you know, those, those sort of numbers. So uh, the amount of labor, uh, quote unquote, that would be necessary to reach the levels uh, and obtain that amount of uh, food and wood uh, is impossible, some of these players felt. Uh, without spending money, and so it becomes more and more uh, it becomes more and more a part of the game the further you go uh, to spend money and if you don 't spend money, you fall behind and you 're letting your team down and you face uh, social ostracization right you called it codependency a couple times in the piece. Can you kind of zoom in on that yeah these 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 allegiances become really critical the players said and and so they felt like uh anyone who um you know slowed them down didn't just make things worse for themselves they made things worse for the people that they cared about and the 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 other members of their allegiance so consequently uh you weren't just playing for yourself you were playing something for something larger than yourself which i think in a free game would be all well and good and fun uh, but in a game where uh, playing for yourself actually means uh, spending uh, real tangible money, in some cases, tens of thousands of dollars, uh, that's another question, I think. Can you talk about what the in-app purchase menu looks like? When does the game flag people to spend money and like, what kind of amounts are we talking about? They're often flashing on the in the early going uh, special deals. So you know uh, this this pack of wood or food or gold or whatever that will help you speed up uh, usually goes for I don't know this is theoretical uh, twenty dollars uh, a pack. Uh, but today we're going to give it to you for a special time uh, limited time deal of ninety nine cents. And so you go well. You know I am kind of uh, falling behind a little bit. Uh, who can't afford a 99 cent cent purchase? Uh, uh, I'll just do that once. And once you kind of sign up, 
you got your information in there, it becomes much easier. They kind of pop up as you're playing. Ooh, you know, I can get this sort of uh, 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 additional uh, purchase here and there, and you do it without thinking about it. So the people said increasingly they would just, you know, click as they saw. And, you know, there were special events every once in a while, but they, the, 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 the games made it very easy uh, 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 to, to spend uh, throughout, the get, throughout play. Another thing that really shocked me reading the story is that, you know, there's not just this internal pressure from the people that you're playing with and like, obviously the, the blinking lights and like all of this stuff that kind of draws you in. Uh, but if you have spent money once before and then you stop, the game has customer service reps that reach out to you, right? That's what one woman said who spent one of these people who spent tens of thousands of dollars said she reached a kind of a VIP like level where uh, when she stopped spending money, they would reach out and say, what's is anything wrong with the game? Please let us know. You know, we want to know what's going on Uh, to me. I don't know if to you that sounded similar to um, the way that uh, casinos hunt whales. You know, they 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 identify these players that are. Uh, critical revenue opportunities for them, and they just uh, zero in on that, uh, zero in on them, and make sure that they uh, continue to spend. And so, um, the the uh, woman in question had a lot of issues with that, uh, and you can understand why. All right, cyber listeners, we're going to pause there for a break. We will be right back after these messages. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. All right, cyber listeners, you are back on. I'm Matthew Galt. We are talking to Motherboard Senior Editor Maxwell Strawn about the game's uh, State of Survival, that terrible zombie game you've probably seen ads for all over the internet, and Game of Thrones Conquest. All right, let's get into some of the personal stories of the people that were affected by this game. Uh, Tell me about Carissa. So Carissa was one of the stories that really stayed with me. Uh, She was a foster child. She said that she came from a really difficult home environment, especially when she started to play Game of Thrones Conquest. Uh, She also said that she was never able to really find a tight-knit social circle in high school. So When the pandemic rolled around, you know, this was uh, a particularly lonely time for her. She she wasn't having a great time at home. She didn't have friends in high school to kind of lean on. And and she found herself playing Game of Thrones Conquest. And and there she kind of found a community that she hadn't found elsewhere. Sorry about that. 
Uh, she, she found a community that she hadn't found elsewhere. And these people seem to really care about her. Uh, they, they, uh, spoke to her about her home environment. Uh, some of them even, you know, said, do you want to come stay with me? You know, would you, would you, would you want to, uh, stay in my apartment while you try and figure out your next move? Um, and they, they really seem to care about her. And, and that mattered a lot to her, especially at that time in her life. And so, you know, the, she started playing the game at all hours of the day. She it had an effect on her schoolwork uh, over time. And, and eventually, you know, the same thing happened that I spoke about earlier, where the players said, you know, we, we care about you, but we really need you to uh, hold your own in this game. And we need you to spend some money. And she said, you know, I, I'm a teen. Uh, I don't have much money. I don't even have a debit card. You know, what do you want me to do? And, uh, you know, implicitly or explicitly, they said, figure out a way to get money. You need to figure out a way. And so she ended up taking a job at Target, she said. And she she was forking over, you know, a lot of that paycheck uh, to this game. And so I, I just thought that that was pretty startling. And now, you know, relative to some of the adults playing the game who were spending tens of thousands of dollars, you know, she was spending less. I think she said that she had spent a couple grand. But you have to remember, this is a high school student. Uh, who was taking a job at Target and just transferring that money over to the game. And that really took me aback because, you know, she she didn't have that job and she felt pressure to get it. And uh, it just felt like there was something wrong there to me. Right. And it, it, the the other two pieces of that really struck me, or the other two pieces of that story that really struck me was that she was, she was taking what, before the job, she was taking what little cash she had and buying visa prepaid cards and using that to buy apps in the game or to buy stuff in the game. Right. right. I mean, this is a, this is a real impact though. It, it, it was just, it was just surprising to me. I mean, someone who maybe has a, has a job and, you know, a little bit of cash to spend, you know, can link up a credit card easy enough, but to, to have a teen really like, you know, go get a job, go to the store, get a debit card like that, that it just took me aback a little bit more. Now tell me about um, how did she, she got out basically, right? Yeah. So eventually she, uh, when she turned 18, she got an apartment herself uh, and uh, she, you know, got out of home as soon as she could. And, and she said that she reached a point in which she realized she could either afford to play Game of Thrones Conquest or she could afford the apartment, but she couldn't afford both. And she was like, I'm not going to go homeless for this game. And so she said it was really tough for her. As I said, she had a deep connection with these people and they, they cared about her in a way that uh, other people she hadn't in the past, she said. And, uh, and so she said it was difficult, but uh, it was ultimately the right decision for her. So I think this is super interesting because so much of what we're talking about here models the literature on when we talk about drug addiction, right? Substance abuse. Um, it tends to affect people that don't have, people are vulnerable to it for a lot of different reasons, genetics being one of them, but also the environment that they are in. If they don't have a strong friend group, if they don't have the pillars of support, um, you tend to be, it, it's more easier for you to fall prey to this kind of thing. And, the pandemic was this kind of perfect Petri dish to create a game like this that offered social bonds and then figured out a way to monetize them. Right. Yeah, I think that's totally right. Um, there were 
people that I spoke with who said that the game altered their real life, you know, altered their relationships, uh, altered their sex life, uh, had an effect on their jobs. Um, and to me, you know, I'm not uh, an academic, I can't really say, but they, they described it uh, themselves as an addiction and they felt like it was having a, a tangible negative effect on their lives. And, and, you know, again, I, I'm not, uh, this is, I'm not an academic. I can't say, uh, if it fits the criteria, but I can say that these people felt like, you know, over time they were forking over more money they, than they could afford. Uh, they, it was hurting them physically, mentally, socially. And, you know, at a minimum, I think that, that, that is a real problem. So, have you been able to talk to two different companies make these games? One is made by, I think, Warner Brothers Interactive, the Game of Thrones one, and then Fun Plus makes State of Survival. They're both relatively new. Um, looks like, I think it's hard to find concrete information on them, but it sounds looks like around 2020, I think, is when they're, they... Yeah, they're relatively new. Um, I think both of them came out uh, uh, just before the pandemic, or maybe in one of the cases a couple years before, but... Uh, so far, I have not heard of from them. Uh, maybe that will change uh, in the next couple of days. I would love to be able to hear uh, what they have to say. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there, there's always multiple sides. Uh, I would be happy to hear from them if they ever want to reach out. <laughs> T- tell me about Stacy Turner. Stacey Turner uh, is one of these people who uh, spent uh, upwards of 65000 so she said, on the game. Uh, and she was the woman who reached the VIP level. So she, she was uh, spending a significant amount of time, 15 to 16 hours a day, she said, uh, and money on this game. But she also, interestingly, even though she has not yet stopped playing the game, has become one of the biggest advocates for uh, uh, free-to-play players. So she really has uh, taken a mantle uh, and said there's something wrong here that people who don't want to spend feel compelled to. Uh, She said to me, you know, you feel like you would really let everybody down in your alliance if you were to stop playing uh, because they rely on you so much. And she was really passionate that, you know, something was wrong and that there were more and more packs and it became harder and harder for people to advance uh, without spending more money. And I think, interestingly, as I said, she hasn't stopped playing the game. She said that she feels uh, too attached to the people uh, in her alliance. She said she speaks to some of these people from the moment she wakes up to the moment she goes to the bed. Uh, and she, she kind of, I think at times seemed like she was grappling with the, the effect this has had on her lives herself. Uh, her, her children have asked about it. Um, and, and she kind of, you know, waffles between, you know, realizing that maybe she goes too far, but also feeling so connected to these people she can't let go. Uh, yeah. So is she the one that started the, the subreddit community? She started a community uh, of state of survival players who kind of said, we have issues with this game and we want it to be adapted to be fairer uh, to free-to-play players. And I, I believe that uh, group now has about 3,500 people. She dedicates a lot of her time to it. Uh, and eventually she joined uh, the class action lawsuit that I'm sure we will uh, uh, talk about at some point. Well, let's get into that now, actually. So there's, is there more than one? There's multiple lawsuits? Uh, 
There's two, uh, but they're uh, uh, against each of the uh, respective companies. So uh, there's one against Fun Plus and there's one against Warner Brother Games. Uh, but in a lot of ways, the two lawsuits are similar. They both are based around allegations of false advertisement. So uh, if you remember, you know, a lot of people start spending because they uh, see these limited time deals flashed across uh, the screen, you know, oh, get this $20 pack for 99 cents now. And so the lawyers in the cases essentially allege that in both cases, those uh, tw- those 99 cent packs were never actually uh, worth $20 and that they were uh, given this sort of limited time uh, uh, that they were made to look like they were limited time deals uh, in order to entice people to, you know, dip their toes into this money spending pool. And then once they were in, they were in and that they would continue to spend uh, more and more from there. So what exactly are, how many people are involved if you know, and what exactly are they seeking? Um, the named plaintiffs, um, in both cases, there are a few of the people that we've spoken today. Stacy, Carissa, I believe, are both named plaintiffs. There are a number uh, of additional ones, and they're also, uh, like any class action lawsuit, uh, talking to many, many more people than just those that are named in the lawsuits. Um, what are they seeking? I think they're seeking uh, something in the way of damages. Uh, uh, just uh, in, in the case of the minor that we spoke with, uh, that we that I spoke to, and that we spoke about at the top of the story, her mom, uh, his mom said, you know, if we can just get a little money to help pay for college, that would be enough for us. But for her, at least, she said that the bigger issue is just the point that they felt that there was something wrong about how these uh, companies were. Um, targeting people and pulling them into spending money that they couldn't afford. Do you think, and maybe this is outside of the remit of their story, but is we've seen lawsuits like this before, right? Um, how good do you think their chances are? Or did you talk to anyone that kind of told you what, what their chances may be in court? I think it's, uh, it's to be seen. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I will say that the Warner Brothers games uh, lawsuit, at least, um, uh, is advancing and will be uh, will take place in court as of last Thursday. So uh, it at least has been seen by some within the legal system as having enough validity to uh, see its day in court. Um, I think in both cases, there the the lawyers have really focused in on something hyper specific. So instead of going after you know uh, pinning their argument on some of the issues we spoke about today regarding people who feel they were addicted or feeling that they felt pressure to spend, the lawsuits are not about that. They've narrowed it down to talking about this false advertisement um, issue, uh, even though they're passionate about the subject more broadly, and so. That at least seems like a good strategy to me. Uh, whether uh, the courts agree, uh, we'll we'll have to see. I guess. Yeah, I mean, this it's interesting. This is a conversation that we've been having. I think since at least the mid '90s, not just around video games, but I remember it's a little bit different. Similar, I would say it's adjacent. Um, a mother sued 
the Pokemon company uh, claiming that the card packs for the, the tabletop game, that it was a lottery, uh, hmm. essentially like the old loot box argument, right? Right. Um, so it's interesting to watch all this stuff kind of unfold as the years go on. Like we've, we, there's obviously some sort of, and there's, there's obviously some sort of problem here um, that in gaming that is wider than just say a survival and game of Thrones conquest. Like this story keeps recurring. Things get tweaked. Um, things change a little bit. The games are, 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 are altered, but there, there's always somebody kind of out there willing to prey on lonely people and soak them for money. Uh, and the, it increasingly just feels like society and the legislature just can't quite keep up with what's going on and even decide what, what the lines are. So it'd be interesting to see how these play out. It definitely will. I mean, that I, I, that's, I've had the same thought, you know, what, what is legal and what is right aren't always the same thing. You know, it's, 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 there seems to be a moral issue here that people should not feel compelled by this community to, to spend, to stay in it. Uh, what the solution is, uh, you know, that's not for me to say, but uh, I, I certainly think it can be improved. All right. Uh, Maxwell, I'm going to close us out with an email from a listener I got last night <laughs> as I was reading through your story that I thought was uh, shockingly uh, related to what we're talking about. Uh, oh, great. So in a recent episode we had on Adrian Hahn, who has written a book about how um, the, we're gamifying the world and how this can be bad. Um, and he talked, we, you know, he talked about some things kind of related to this episode and he and his book had some harsh words for behaviorist BF Skinner Um and last, who's the father of operant conditioning and kind of the person that I think a lot of people would throw back to as being responsible for uh, the stuff that undergirds a lot of these video games. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't want to take Han too out of context, but he's kind of said that the, the, the broader like psychological community has largely refuted Skinner at this point. Um, so I got this really great email last night from listener Daniel. He took issue with how we talked about Skinner and it kind of dovetails uh, into some of what we've talked about here. And I asked Daniel if I could read this email and he agreed. Um, quote, uh, while I broadly agree with his overall thesis, there's an assertion made about Skinner's theories of operant conditioning and, reinforce- and reinforcement learning that deserves a closer look. The assertion that Skinner's theory of operant learning has been wholly or even partially discredited is simply not supported by empirical evidence, and practitioners in the modern field of applied behavior analysis would rightfully take great umbrage with it. ABA and its constituent subdisciplines are direct descendants of Skinner's radical behaviorism and are used today in everything from the treatment of autism-related behavioral disorders to organizational safety to classroom instruction, TBI rehabilitation, and substance abuse treatment. Uh, And then he kind of goes into this interesting history lesson, which I won't recount too too much here, but apparently the reason people have pushed that back against Skinner recently is that uh, Chomsky wrote a critique and then uh, had a big beef with Skinner, and Skinner was like, who's this guy? Uh, I don't even need to respond to this, and never did. Um, and so people kind of use that refutation that Chomsky wrote as the basis for kind of pushing back against Skinner. But here's kind of where... Uh, 
this email got a little real for me as I was prepping for this episode. Uh, quote, if the theory of operant learning was simply false, it stands to reason that methodologies of reinforcement learning would be unable to be replicated and applications of reinforcement learning simply wouldn't work. But if you've ever trained a dog to sit, taught a child to read, mastered the mechanics of a video game, or became addicted to a slot machine-like game, or compulsively pulled to refresh the email inbox on your phone in anticipation of receiving an important email... The principles of reinforcement learning are very much in play. Uh, Mm. I thought like, yeah, of course it makes sense. Uh, And then he finishes out. I think I like to think of the theory of operant learning as analogous to Newtonian physics. It doesn't explain everything. It might get some things wrong, but it got us to the moon in the case of operant learning though, rather than getting us to the moon, it has gotten us helplessly addicted to video games and social media, but it contains the tools for breaking those very addictions. I just thought that was uh, a really interesting note to go out on as we were doing a uh, episode kind of about these highly addictive video games and the trouble that people get themselves into um, or the, the trouble that the games get them into. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. It shows how important the system that you're in uh, is, I guess, you know, can be used for good or for bad. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you want more stories about how the system can be used for both good and bad, please keep tuning into Cyber. We will be back uh, with more episodes. Sorry, Gus the cat just walked into the scene and I've got to keep him <laughs> off the soundboard as I do my little outro here. <laughs> um, Maxwell, thank you so much for coming onto the show and walking us through this. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. If you like Cyber, please go to youtube.com forward slash motherboard or twitch.tv forward slash twitch.tv forward slash motherboard TV and follow us there. We are recording the episodes live and you will be notified when we go live uh, and can watch them there. Uh, There's some big changes, big changes coming to, uh, to cyber next year. Going to be, going to be some interesting set pieces coming. I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, And you can see that as uh, you can see those changes as they evolve. Stay safe out there. 